Hey everyone, welcome back to Tooth and Claw. Today we're finishing up the story of the Lions of Savo. That's right, this is part two, the finale of the story that we started telling in the previous episode, so if you haven't heard that yet, you can go back and check that out, or uh, if you want to just hear part two, the end of the story without having the build-up or context to it, I guess you can just keep listening here. Uh, we won't judge. As always, thank you so much for listening. A special shout-out goes to all of our subscribers over on Patreon. If you're interested in hearing more from us, you can go ahead and subscribe over there. You can find us at www.patreon.com slash tooth and claw podcast where uh, we have a bunch of mini bonus episodes recorded with more on the way we release every other week there and uh, we've got a couple of really good episodes coming up if I do say so myself so I don't know check it out if that interests you or if you want the opportunity to check out some cool merch that we have coming out too. patreon is the place to find that. Thanks. All right, let's get on with the show. Okay, we're ready. We are going to do a little recap. Uh, is there anything you guys needed to say beforehand? I want to know why you think tree powers is the best superpower. I don't think it's the best superpower. What is? You always ask the question, ice powers or tree powers? And I always pick tree powers because I think it's better than ice powers. What's the best? I don't know. but <laughs> No, you always just pick tree powers. No, you give me those two options no. and I pick tree powers. Yes. I would not pick it. I would rather fly than have tree powers. Well, then just get ice powers. No, that's not the same. You can you just shooting use ice. Like, ice to like stand on as you go isn't yeah. flying. Oh, yeah, but you could fly. Well, you could fly with tree powers then, too. <laughs> Jeff loves asking people if they would pick ice powers or tree powers. And he always says he would pick ice powers, and his one reason for that is so that he can kiss a girl and, like, freeze the air inside of her mouth, so, like, it's, like, a really cool kiss. <laughs> yeah, because it sucks every time I'm, like, kissing a girl, I have to stop and go to the fridge and suck on ice for a while. <laughs> Don't and if I had that. ice powers, then I wouldn't have to do that. So, uh, we've had this discussion <laughs> with a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and after v- very short order, everyone agrees it's tree powers. Here's the thing about tree uh, powers. You can just instantly make a mango to eat <laughs> or any other fruit that you want. You can, you're pretty much Groot from uh, Gardens of the Galaxy. You can shoot wood at people. You can like shoot up in the air with the wood. There's a lot of stuff you can do okay. with tree powers. You got Ice food. powers, every stairway I'm at, I'm sliding down it. I'm just making a all the time. slide. Nah, I'll be good. And then <laughs> um, every drink I ever drink will be cold. Perfect temperature. Imagine, okay, imagine if like... You go to someone's house and you're going down their stairs and you just freeze their stairwell. They'd be so pissed at nah, you. Nah, they'd just be amazed. Yeah, I don't. I didn't. You could help the whole uh, melting polar ice. Yeah, could. I could save the planet. So but, could, but so could tree powers. Deforestation. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. All right. So and I could be eating delicious. Agree fruit to while disagree. I do it. No, I, I don't. <laughs> you're wrong. Uh, anyway, tree powers is what I'd pick over those two. Not as a general superpower. I'd walk on water. I'd want to fly. If I could fly, I'd pick flight. Mm. Um, I'd have perfectly... So I have a split lip right now. Mm -hmm. And it hurts when I smile and laugh. So no jokes this episode. (laughs) But I would have perfectly moisturized skin and hair. That'd be your superpower? Yeah, living in Utah has really done a number on me. Okay. that's Yeah, that's an interesting pick. (laughs) But uh, I don't know what that... What would I be like... Aquaman, I guess you'd call me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. 
if you guys okay if you guys could either fly at like 25 miles per hour but you can fly as long as you want but it's at 25 miles per hour that's too slow or you can teleport at like however far of a distance you can see you can teleport which of those would you pick teleport. teleporting you would yeah. yeah okay i'd just teleport in the sky and then kind of, teleport oh yeah, would back be down cool. you could just fly around that way <laughs> yeah flying just sounds so fun to me all right you can get like bugs in your mouth and you, 25, miles, 25 miles per hour you're not yeah you are yeah, maybe. I mean, I get bugs in my mouth just walking around sometimes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's my problem. I don't. We'll just get into the story. Um, yeah, I think we're done <laughs> with talking about that. So we are on part two of the Lions of Savo story. Many of you may have seen the movie Ghost in the Darkness, the 1996 film starring Val Kilmer, Michael Douglas, uh, Tom Wilkinson, and others. Uh, King Theoden, Horse Lord. Yeah. Um, it's a wonderful film. It's not very true to the actual story, but there is some stuff that, that they maintained. But essentially, the story is about these two lions. In our first episode, we talked about these lions, how they had started attacking railway camps, and they were getting really good at it. I mean, almost every night, they're attacking this camp, and they're pulling people out of their tents. They're eating people right outside of these big fences called bomas that are made of thorny bushes. They're really, really successful and really, really good at killing people. And John H. Patterson, who was the civil engineer on this project and essentially the project head for this stretch of railway that was being built, was powerless to stop them. He had tried a lot of different things, mostly just climbing up in a tree and, and waiting for them. But he had shot at them. He had tried to trick them and just everything wasn't working. And the lions had really gotten the best of him every single time. So that's where we're at. And finally, toward the end of part one, uh, these workers that he that they had hired to build this railway uh, were mostly people from India that had been conscripted by the British Army. And they just were done. They were being killed at random by these lions. And they're tired of it. They're tired of living in fear. And most of them hopped a train and got out of there. So that's kind of where we ended. Are there any things you guys would like to add before we start back into the story? Um, just also the fact that it sounds like the company is in kind of a time crunch to get this railroad done. So there's pressure from kind of every side yeah. to get this thing done and also to avoid being eaten. Totally. Basically. And in the and the lions are kind of in a time crunch because all the Indian people are leaving. Yeah. So they, so they got to kind of up how many people <laughs> they're killing. That's a good uh, point. Yeah. And we did. I mean, most of these people they had killed were Indian workers. There were a few that were like Swahili people. They had tried to attack Patterson and a few others, but most, like the vast majority has been uh, Indian workers. So as far as the time crunch thing goes, um, in the movie, they really accentuate that. Like it's a really big deal. The book doesn't talk nearly as much about it. It seemed like Patterson had a little bit more leeway than the movie seemed. Still um, financially. But financially, this whole project is, they're way over budget. You said they're four times over budget. Yeah, they're spending a ton of money, and these lines have completely shut down construction at this point. I mean, they have brought a, a total halt to it. Maybe they like know it's going to cause habitat loss. I mean, that's, so that's a just theory. like, we got to get rid of these guys. That's what a lot of the Indian workers and some of the Swahili uh, people that were helping to thought that like these were lions that were had the spirits of native elders that were trying to stop this thing because it was like an insult to 
to traditional African like land rights and all these other things. So yeah, I'm team lion. Yeah, me too. To be honest, I am. Aside, I wish that the lion was killing like the people that were funding this project, not the workers. That I they, want him to get Patterson. I like Patterson actually quite a bit. But anyway, Patterson at this point, he's operating with a skeleton crew. He just has a few brave people that stayed behind, a few dozen workers that didn't leave, and then work on the railroad has completely stopped. And so he asked uh, a district officer in Mombasa, this guy who he just refers to as Mr. Whitehead, to come and help. So I think this is kind of in the movie where like, they Douglas. get the inspiration from Michael Douglas. But this Mr. Whitehead is, I think he's a... He's like an army guy, but he's not a renowned world hunter. Mm -hmm. It's just a guy that he asked to come help. So this Mr. Whitehead was due to arrive the night of December 2nd, which is right after all these guys had left, all the Indian workers had left. And Patterson sends this boy to go retrieve him from the railway station and bring him to Savo. And the boy comes back a few hours later and he's shaking from fright. And apparently the line was at the railway station, was on the platform and the railway workers had locked themselves in the in their offices because the lion was oh, there. Crazy. And Patterson doesn't really believe him because at this point, all of the workers that had stayed behind are so traumatized that everything is a lion to them. The like, train oh. is kind of just like the the sushi conveyor belts that they have in yeah. like Korea and Japan. It's just, just bringing more food in for the lions. Pretty much. And he's just kind of waiting there now. Yeah. <laughs> To them. Yeah. I'm not sure anyway. if that's the most clever or the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I guess both. Um, at this point, though, Patterson doesn't really believe this kid because every impala, every baboon, every little animal that people are seeing, they're like, ah, it's a lion. Everything is freaking uh, them yeah. out. Yeah. And so he's like, sure, there's a lion there. But then he learns, yeah, the lions actually were at the railway station and they had shut everything down. Yeah. So Whitehead doesn't arrive that night. And Patterson's eating dinner by himself, and he hears gunshots, but he doesn't really pay attention to them, because there were, as we mentioned in the last episode, each of these camps had a couple Indian soldiers in their camps, and like gunshots were pretty normal. They would shoot at any animal they saw, pretty much. It was a fairly normal occurrence to hear gunshots. Would they like eat animals that they, they found? Would. Yeah. Okay. So he heard these gunshots. And then late at night, he decided to go up into the hide that he had constructed. And he was surprised that as soon as he got up in the hide, hoping that the lions would show up, he was surprised to hear the lions not far away eating something. And he just assumed that they'd probably gotten some livestock or something because he hadn't heard screaming or commotion that usually followed when a lion attacked the camp. So he's up in this hide and he hears them eating something. He's like, oh man, they must have gotten something. So he takes a shot at them and they picked up whatever they're eating and they go over a ridge. So the next morning, Patterson is leaving where he was up in this hide in the tree and he's headed back to camp and he comes across this Mr. Whitehead just like out in the bush. And this guy looks really shaken and he's super disheveled. And then this is what he says their conversation was in the book. So this is Patterson. Where on earth have you come from? I exclaimed. Why didn't you turn up to dinner last night? A nice reception you give a fellow when you invite him to dinner, was his only reply. Why, what's up, I asked. That infernal lion of yours nearly did for me last night, said Whitehead. Nonsense, you must have dreamed it, I cried in astonishment. For answer, he turned round and showed me his back. That's not much of a dream, is it? So Whitehead's shirt had been completely ripped open, and he had four big claw marks down his back. 
Whoa. So Patterson rushes him to the tent and he dresses his wounds. And while he's doing that, Whitehead tells him his story of what happened. And so this is his story. I, I like how Whitehead made him get to that point. What do like, you mean? I feel like if I was him, I'd be like, okay, I was attacked by a lion. Yeah. Like, that would be my intro. Yeah. But he's, but like, he's like, why didn't cool you go to dinner? Party. And he's like, well, your welcoming party wasn't that great. <laughs> yeah. And like, just kind of teases it yeah. out of him. He had a whole night to think of a, <laughs> yeah. kind of a funny little joke. Yeah, that's true. He's like, this is going to be in a book someday. I got to come up with a good answer. <laughs> Uh, so Whitehead's train had arrived a little bit late, and it was pretty dark by the time he started toward the Sabo camp. And he had with him this servant, Abdullah, who was carrying a lamp and helping him cut through the thick brush on the way to the camp. So it's just Whitehead and Abdullah, and they're leaving this railway station. It's just like a temporary railway station. And they're cutting through the brush, and Abdullah's holding the lamp, and Whitehead's cutting through the brush. And suddenly one of the lions jumps down from a high bank, and knocks Whitehead over. And that's when it scratches his back and rips rips open his shirt. And as he falls backwards, he fires his gun, which likely saves his life because it makes the lion switch direction. But unfortunately for Abdullah, it then decides to go for him, and it grabs him. And by the time Whitehead stands up, he sees Abdullah in the mouth of this lion, and it's running away with him. And Abdullah is yelling, oh, master, a lion. Oh, man. Yeah. Jeez. So he sees his like faithful servant get killed by this lion. Uh, Whitehead fires again, but it doesn't hit the lion, and the lion disappears with Abdullah. So Patterson had heard these shots when he was eating dinner, and then the thing that he heard the lion eating was Abdullah. Abdullah. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. Not Abdullah. So honestly, like as I was reading this book, I was starting to get a little upset by this point because it just seemed like all these guys that are getting eaten are just servants and workers, people that no one deserves to get eaten by. Well, I'm sure there's people that deserve to get eaten by lions. But of all the people that didn't deserve it in this situation, it was these people. They had just gone there to get a little bit of extra money and they weren't there for like glory or adventure. And that's kind of what a lot of the the white people in this story were there for. And so it was getting a little frustrating just how many people are dying and how casual they're still treating it. But luckily on that day, some more help arrived in this fight against the Lions. The superintendent of police for the railway, who I'm guessing he was based in in Mombasa, his name is Farquhar, he arrived and then he came with some sepoys, which are uh, another type of Indian soldier, and they fought for the British government. A few other officials also showed up to help, and each of them this time took a hide in a tree. So now they have people spread out throughout all these camps, and they have a bunch of people in trees. And then they also decided, we mentioned last last uh, episode, that Patterson had built a trap, and they decided to finally put this trap into play. So a quick reminder of what this trap was like. It's essentially a big wooden box. In the middle, there's some metal bars, and on there, there's open doors on either end. So the people get in on one end and they close their door behind him. And then on the other end, it's an open door and the lion can come in that side. And when it comes in far enough, it springs a thing that closes the door behind it. So then you got people on one side of the bars and the lion on the other side and the lion's trapped and the people can shoot the lion through the bars. So that's the idea behind this trap. So they're all in trees. They got two sepoys in this trap. Those are those Indian soldiers. And... um. And the night's really quiet. Nothing's happening. And then around 9 o'clock, 
Patterson's just completely overjoyed to hear the trap door close, which means that something walked into the trap and it closed that door. And he thought to himself, finally, we got one of them. He said, one at least of the brutes is done for, but he's wrong. (laughs) The Sepoys are waiting in the light of their lamp in this trap. And as they're waiting, they're just getting more and more terrified minute by minute. Like, imagine this. You just like barely show up to Savo. You've heard that maybe dozens, if not hundreds of people have been killed by these lions. And then this dude's like, hey, sit in this trap that I built. And the lion's going to come in here. All that's separating you are these bars. And then you can shoot it. Yeah. And you're just sitting there. You're literally bait. That's what they were. Right. And they're just waiting. And you would, I mean, your nerves would be frayed. It would be really, really scary. So when the lion actually does show up and it charges into this gate, apparently it hit those bars and it's trying to kill these guys. It's shooting its paws through, it's roaring, it's doing everything it can to kill them. And they're just completely paralyzed by fear. They are not, no. not shooting. No. They're not doing anything. They're just paralyzed. And so Farquhar, who's the, the superintendent of police, He's in a nearby tree and he starts yelling at these guys because they're essentially his men. And he's like, start shooting, shoot the lion. (laughs) Yeah. And at that point, they each had a rifle and they've all had a ton of ammunition. They just start shooting like crazy. And Patterson said that they shot with a vengeance anywhere, anyhow. So Patterson says he and Whitehead are in a tree that's at a 90 degree angle to where the trap was. And they did that on purpose. So when these guys shoot, there's no way like any of the bullets are going to come their direction. And he said bullets are just whizzing by him. Oh, <laughs> These guys are just shooting in every direction. And they fired dozens of times. And in the end, they were only able to hit the bar on the door that was keeping the lion in. Oh and so gosh. the door goes back up and the lion was able to run out. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So like Pat- the stormtroopers in Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. Patterson says how they failed to kill him several times over is and always will be a complete mystery to me, as they could have put the muzzles of their rifles absolutely touching his body. I agree, but at the same time, why isn't Patterson in the trap then? You know? Like, it's very easy to be like, oh, these guys should have killed this thing, but he probably should have killed it by now too, and he didn't put himself in the trap as bait. So I kind of have a hard time being like, oh yeah, these guys were awful when Patterson wasn't even willing to go in there himself. But anyway, so he's got all this help with him and he decides to spend the next two days hunting these lions in the brush rather than just hoping they show back up. They decide to take some some initiative and go chase them. Um, but they only get momentary glimpses of the lions. And after a few days, all of these people, Farquhar, the superintendent of police, Mr. Whitehead, the Sepoys, They all have stuff they're responsible for in Mombasa, so they leave. And Patterson's again alone with the lions. I like Whitehead's role in this story. Just, like, comes for help as, like, help. And, like, immediately his, like, best, like, servant or friend gets eaten and he almost dies. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, yeah. This is I see you guys have some, like credit to what you're saying yeah it makes sense that none of them wanted to stay much longer yeah like (laughs) they realize like okay these are actual terrible monsters which they're not they're animals and we love them but they thought they were monsters okay so um a few days after everyone left patterson's leaving his boma in the morning and a swahili worker comes running up to him yelling simba simba 
So Simba is actually the Swahili word for lion. And uh, apparently the lion had attacked a donkey near the camp and he was eating it. Did they steal that from Lion King? Uh, they didn't. Lion King <laughs> stole it from Swahili. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah. But where does Kimba the white lion play in all that? Uh, Just kidding. It's a well, deep, it's a whole, terrible joke. Yeah, you can dive into that and learn about how Disney stole IP from someone. but Or did they? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a long and deep road. Anyway. It's daytime, and the lions had attacked a donkey during the day, which gave Patterson a really unique opportunity. Even with the pans on the donkey? This wasn't a pan donkey. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. This gave Patterson a, a chance to actually like hunt one down and kill it in the day, which he hadn't had many opportunities to do. And Farquhar, the superintendent of police, had left him a higher caliber rifle to do this. And so he grabs this guy's rifle, and this was in the movie too, except it was... um and horse lord that gives him the rifle yeah um, but he grabs it and he goes uh with the swahili worker to go and catch this lion or to kill it and they cautiously are following the trail and then at one point patterson can faintly see the outline of this lion through the brush and at that very moment this swahili worker that was with him stepped on a twig and the lion roared and jumped thicker into the brush so what patterson decided to do was go and get a bunch of the workers and they surrounded the brush and they all had pots and pans and oil tins and stuff that they were banging on. And they kind of made a semicircle around this lion. And meanwhile, Patterson hid behind an anthill where he thought the lion was going to come out. And so they start moving in and they're making all this noise and they can hear the lion roaring in the brush. And then Patterson's plan actually works and the lion jumps out. He has a clear shot, raises his rifle, puts it right on its brain, pulls the trigger and it clicks. Oh, man. Um, and he was he was using an untested gun, and he knew that was a terrible idea, but he did it anyway. He thought he had had his moment finally, but he's horrified, and he's like, okay, the lion's going to kill him now because yeah, the lion right. sees him, his gun's clicked, and in that moment, he forgets he has a double-barrel gun, and he hasn't tried the other barrel, so he's frantically trying to reload, and luckily, this lion is still distracted with the barrage of noise that's coming out of the forest. And so he suddenly realizes, oh, I've got another shot, raises it up and takes aim and shoots. And the lion roars and jumps into the brush. So he doesn't know if he's hit it or not, but he's pretty happy because he wasn't killed in this weird moment of choking. Right. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't bit by any ants. I don't know. He didn't say if he was bit by ants or not. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. he might have been. Yeah, he was right by an ale. That's a good point. Uh, but at this point, Patterson in his book is saying, there might be something to this devil's theory. These might not just be normal lions. Because every time he thinks he's about to get them, something happens and they get away and he gets bit by ants. <laughs> um, like not just something happens, but something almost inexplicable happens. Right, like his gun misfires or... The lions see him coming and they go somewhere else. Or the firing or, squad with a lion literally like right. two feet away. They're paralyzed Can't in fear. Shoot yeah. 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 The, I don't know. Which one do you think? I feel like the cage is still the one where it's yeah. like, yeah. that lion should be dead. It yeah. should. They shot the gate the open. Fact that they Are shot you kidding the gate me? Open. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's been a wild journey. I mean, they're at this point, they're eight months into this thing. And I guarantee you Patterson is, uh, you know, on his last leg. At that point, I would start to wonder if is there's something like weird with these lions. Yeah, like, I would think they're right. supernatural for yeah. sure. A curse. Like or without something. a doubt. So the donkey that this lion had been feeding on had a lot of meat on it still. So Patterson decides to use it as bait. Uh, he again builds, this time instead of getting into a tree, he builds a small tower. 
and he builds it right near the donkey and he attaches the donkey to the stump with some wire so that if the lions show up, they can't pull it into the bush. They have to eat it there. And he spends most of the night waiting for the lions to show up and he starts to fall asleep when the sounds of a large animal moving through the brush wake him up. And he could hear the lion breathing and he quickly realized that it wasn't going for the donkey. It was stalking him in his tower. So he spends a few hours in this tower listening to the lion stalking him. He can hear it creeping closer and closer. And uh, he starts to get pretty scared because he's thinking, I'm only 12 feet up and it could maybe jump up this high, which we learned in our tiger episode. Pretty easily could. Probably could. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or it could knock down one of these poles that's supporting his tower and the poles aren't that big. So he's getting pretty nervous and his fear is getting stronger and stronger when all of a sudden something hits him in the back of the head. And he's like, okay, the lion's here. I'm toast. This is finally it. And it was an owl. Like an owl had <laughs> flown into his head, which is actually a scene That's they in have the in movie, the movie. Yeah. yeah. But he actually falls out of the tower in the movie. And in the book, he says it just, he thought it, that the owl probably thought he was a branch or something and it <laughs> ran into his head. That's crazy. Of I, all the scenes in the movie, if you had told me or asked me to guess which scene was, was faked fake. from the yeah, movie, the I'd be like, scene. oh yeah, the owl, they like knocked him off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, apparently that's real. And who knows? I mean, he wanted this book to be a seller. So who knows how much of this is exaggerated, but that's what he said. Uh, that's not a flattering detail to me. No, that's either. true. <laughs> <laughs> kind of dumb and like. Yeah. And it, it's very likely that Sal was pissed at him too and had like swiped at him, had swooped at him. So he makes a bit of a commotion when this happens. And the lion hears him and the lion lets out a roar. And that actually gives Patterson a pretty good idea of where this lion is. So he takes aim, aim and he peers into the darkness until he thinks he can see its outline and he shoots. And the lion lets out a big roar and it runs into the bush and then he can hear it groaning and then he can hear it breathing heavily and then it stops breathing. And, and he knows that he had finally gotten one of these lions. So they have a huge party in camp. There's dancing. Everyone's just so happy that one of these lions is finally dead. And because it's because to them, they finally realize, okay, they're not invincible. They're not untouchable. We can kill them. And it was a really, it came at a really important time. They needed to finally get one of them. They went the next morning and they found the body of the lion. And his shot from earlier in the day actually had hit it. The second shot when he, when he choked. Mm. And his most recent shot had finished the job. A bunch mm-hmm. of workers were with him. They picked him up on their shoulders. They had like another celebration at the body <laughs> of the lion. And yeah, so they were starting to get feel like there was a light at the end of the tunnel. So not long after, the second Have lion... Have you ever been picked up on people's shoulders for anything you've done? I... Yeah, but I can't think of it. Yeah. But I remember it feeling really good. It feels amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it was like some, I was never that great at sports, but I think I did something once in sports that was good. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> that's such a big, I did, did a, a good, good thing, thing in sports. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, not long after the second lion attacked some goats in camp, but it was chased off. And Patterson again built a tower near the carcass of those goats and he hoped the lion would come back. And he's getting really tired at this point because he's staying up almost every night, all night. And so he brought his gun bearer, Mahina, with him. And the two sat in the hide for hours and Patterson's starting to fall asleep. And as he falls asleep, Mahina like grabs his arm and softly says, lion. So Patterson wakes up and he takes aim 
And again, he finally has a little bit of luck because this lion steps out in a clearing. And he fires with both barrels, but he sees, and he actually sees the lion like take the impact, but then the lion jumps away into the brush. So he's pretty excited. He's like, tomorrow we're going to go find another dead lion and I'm going to be a hero. But the next morning they go and they follow this blood trail and it disappears. They follow it for a while and then it's gone. For like 10 days, nothing happens. And Patterson and the men think, we got him. We got him and he died somewhere out in the savannah and we're done with the lions. Then one night they hear that all too familiar at this point scream of terror because the lion's attacking the camp again. Uh, The lion had returned and it was frantically trying to get through the boma to grab another victim. And Patterson actually heard it and he runs out and fires his gun and scares the lion off. So it didn't get anyone. But the next day he sets up another hide, yet another hide in a tree. And him and Mahina go back up. And as he's climbing, I like Mahina's job is just his gun bear. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like you can't hold your gun. I know. So far, <laughs> there's been like water carrier, gun bear. Yeah. There's like some pretty. Yeah. As he's climbing to get into this last tree, he almost grabs a venomous snake, oh, and wow. he falls out of a tree. <laughs> and some of the men with him kill the snake. But I mean, he's really getting pretty unlucky at this point. <laughs> I um, wonder if making the movie, they had to decide. Whether to keep the owl yeah, are we or going the owl snake. Or snake. <laughs> because you really can't have both of those. It's like, this is too much. Yeah. Uh, so at this point, it's a full moon. They have a really great night. Um, they have a great field of view. And they're both thrilled because the lion actually shows up. And it starts to stalk them in their hide. And Patterson has his three oh three, which is his trusty rifle. He takes aim and he fires. And uh, he, again, thinks that he's hit his target because the lion roars and it jumps away. And he, again, thinks, okay, in the morning, we're going to go find this body. So as soon as it gets light out, Patterson, Mahina, and a native tracker, they leave to go find the body of the lion. And when they'd only got about a quarter mile into the brush, they are shocked because they're walking through this brush and suddenly, like, a couple yards in front of them, they hear a really deep roar that he says he could feel in his bones. Oh, man. And he looks into the brush, and he can see the angry eyes of the lion, and then it's bared teeth looking at him. So he fires immediately, and the lion jumps out of the brush and charges at him. And this time he fires again, and he knocks the lion over. And so he again thinks, okay, I finally got it. But it quickly jumps up to its feet, and it charges him again. And he's out of he's out of shots on this gun, and Mahina's carrying his other gun. Oh, so he geez. turns to Mahina to grab his other rifle, and Mahina's halfway up a tree with the <laughs> rifle already. So the lion's coming for Patterson. It's coming slower because it is pretty injured at this point, but uh, he jumps up in the tree as well with Mahina, and he's able to grab this rifle from Mahina in the tree, and then he fires, and the lion falls over. So he's, even in his book, he's like, I should have waited longer. Because he hops down and he goes to poke the lion's body and it hops up and charges him again. And he fires two more times. He shoots in the head and the chest and it dies. And the lion's finally dead. Have you ever heard a lion roar in real life? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I was at the Chicago Zoo, Uh which like, it's like a free public zoo. Uh So it's smaller. Yeah. But I was at the other end from where the lions were. Yeah. And it scared me because, yeah. like, the male lion started just roaring. Yeah. And it just shook the entire zoo. Yeah. And then everyone went to, like, look at this lion, and it just was, like, so cool, like, up on a rock just roaring. Yeah. But, like, it legit 
just like scared me at they, a zoo. They got some pipes. A ways away from. Did me. you feel it in your rib cage? Did, I kind of pretty did. much. Yeah, I. So I've never heard an animal roar, but there was a guy. <laughs> 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 I was in a Little Caesars. <laughs> I gotta hear this. And uh, me and my me and my friend just asked for two large pepperoni pizzas. Uh-huh. And this dude was huge, not just tall, but huge. and uh, he yelled back instructions for what the people in the back should make for us. And he yelled the words "two pep" so loud that it almost brought me to my knees. But like I felt my ribs reverberate. Like oh, it was, was it the it's one? Probably probably the same as what Patterson was it the one me. in Provo? Yeah, yeah. it's incredible. I love that this is your <laughs> reference point for like a lion roaring and almost killing oh, someone. I know who he's talking about even. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, and, and when it comes to lion roars, the one you heard in the zoo, Jeff, is more a lion announcing like, hey, I'm here, this is my territory. They do that loud roar where they go up on something and roar as loud as they can. But then they also have a, a really angry roar when they're fighting or killing something. And that's what he heard here. And they're very, they're both very scary and yeah. very loud. That's um, cool. But Patterson realizes this nightmare is finally over. He's managed to kill both lions. His men have a great amount of respect for him at this point. Um, for a while, they thought that he was just a total failure. But at this point, they think he's their savior and they're really happy. And the Indian men actually give him like a, this silver bowl that he says is his greatest trophy that he's ever gotten. Uh, And speaking of trophies, he does have both of the lions skinned, and he takes their skulls. And those taxidermied skins are now on display at the Chicago Field Museum. They bought them from Patterson. And they have the skulls there as well. So the men that had abandoned the construction site came back. Uh, He was able to complete his work, get everything done that he needed to on his portion of railway. And, uh, and then he wrote a book, which is the book that I used for most of the research on this. And a few different Hollywood movies were made from the story, I think three in total. But the most famous is uh, Ghost in the Darkness, Ghost in the Darkness. Secondhand Lions, uh, and, and Lion. Lion King. Lions. <laughs> no. Uh, the, the other ones were made a long time ago, but Ghost in the Darkness is the most recent one and the, and the most successful. Lion, isn't that the one where like the little boy gets yeah, lost? Yeah, <laughs> okay. Patel. We mentioned this in the last episode, but all in all, Patterson claims 135 men were killed by the lions. You need to remember Patterson was trying to sell his book, but at the same time, I read so many articles where they're like, oh, Patterson was exaggerating. It's like, yeah, but he was there, you know, and no one else was yeah so i think you can dismiss that but at the same time you have to accept that that that's our best source of information when it comes to that and i mean this lasted nine months so when you think about it that would be i mean that'd be a lot that'd be like a a person being killed every other day yeah and that number probably is a little high but what they ended up doing is this guy bruce patterson who's not related to john patterson uh is a he's a scientist at the field museum And he did um, an isotope test on the lions. So he looked at their bone fragments and their hair fragments. And essentially what the idea there was, was to see, um, to look, you you can isolate the isotopes that are associated with feeding on humans. And you can get an idea of what percentage of their diet were humans at the end of their lives. And so what he found is that for the last three months of their lives, humans accounted for about 30% of their prey. 
which is a really high number. I mean, it was probably the, the main thing that they were killing was humans. So then they used the average size and feeding habits of Savo lions to estimate that over their nine-month slaughter, they probably killed about 35 humans, is what this guy Bruce Patterson came up with. I personally think that that number is probably somewhere between the two estimates. I think it's somewhere between 35 and 135. I would I'm, guess. I would say it's probably like 74. That's honestly what I, I was going to say 70. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's honestly probably somewhere around there. Based on Patterson's book, I think it was more than 35 people. But I don't know. That's just me saying that. How often do lions eat? Are they going to be eating like two lions? Would they be eating a human for food every day or every I mean, other day? They could. What? Yeah, they yeah. eat a lot. And I don't I, I should have looked that up to see exactly how much they eat in a given week or how often they have to bring down prey. But lions are big eaters. They can eat a lot. And a human doesn't provide a ton of meat for a lion. So it wouldn't be outside their natural range to kill a person every other day and to still be hungry. I mean, they could they could probably kill a person every day and still be hungry. Yeah, so so that's unknown. It's it's not in, I mean, that isotope analysis is the best way that we can get a pretty good idea of how many people they'd killed, but it's not like you can say, "Oh, it was exactly this many people." Um from what I understand at least. I wanted to get in a little bit more of the science behind this, especially the motives of the lions. Um, do you guys have any guesses for why these two lions might have just decided to start killing people? Territorialism? I don't know. Yeah, they're like in the area. Seems like it wasn't that hard. Yeah, I mean, that's the main thing is difficulty. There's a few different theories out there, and we're going to kind of run through each of them. There's a common myth that when man eaters, when you have a man eater, an animal that starts killing people, that they have this like taste for human flesh. There's this idea that once an animal kills a person, it never goes back because it's gotten a taste for us. To me, that always has felt weirdly egotistical. We just think we because we're humans, we taste so good and mm -hmm. animals just love the way we taste. And I don't buy that. I don't think that's the case. But what is very possible is that while this railway was being constructed, a lot of people died. We mentioned they had big bouts of dysentery. They had scurvy. They had all these different issues. And a lot of dead bodies were being left along the way. And so lions aren't against scavenging. They will scavenge. And one common theory is that these lions were scavenging on people so much that they started to realize, okay, people are a food source and it's pretty easy. And then another idea is that there was a really bad disease in the, in the time that was affecting cattle. And it was probably affecting a lot of the, the native prey for lions as well, buffalo and wildebeest. It was called rinder, rinderpest. Um, oh, yeah. yeah rinderpest. You know, yeah, you know rinderpest. <laughs> um, anyway, it had killed a lot of the animals in the, in the area. And they think that maybe it was prey scarcity, too, that led these lions to start killing people. So there's, there's kind of a, a bunch of different ideas that factor into it. But the leading theory is that these lions, one of them especially, had some pretty serious dental problems. So Patterson, Bruce Patterson, the guy at the Field Museum, he's done pretty extensive testing on those teeth. And um, they found that one of the canines is completely worn down and the pulp was probably showing on that tooth, which would be extremely painful. Yeah. And that lion was also missing three of its lower incisors. Um, so it had a broken canine. It's missing all these teeth. It has an abscess in its mouth. 
And then the other lion also had a tooth that was showing some pulp. So the idea is that we're really soft. Um, we don't have thick skin. We don't have horns. We don't have hooves. We're really easy for an, an animal to eat. And especially an animal with a broken tooth that would be really painful to eat something with thick skin, eating a person would be a really painless way to get food. Uh, and we don't really fight back very hard either. Yeah. So that's kind of the leading theory is that their dental injuries were so extreme that they turned to humans. My guess is that it was probably a combination of all three of those. Um, one of the reasons that people don't necessarily think they were scavenging, an animal like a lion will only turn to pure scavenging if it's really, really hungry. And they would eat the bones then too. And they would eat the marrow and they would crunch all those bones up. And when they did further analysis on the teeth, they didn't see the kind of wear that's typical for an animal that's eating bones. Like hyenas and other animals that eat a lot of bones, they have these big kind of chunks taken out of there. It's not chunks, but it's like their teeth are really battered because they're eating something really hard regularly. And these lions had relatively smooth teeth. So the idea there is that they probably weren't eating bones. So they probably weren't starving. Um, so that kind of eliminates the theory that they were just really hard up for prey. So the main prevailing theory is that their teeth were hurting, but it could be a combination of a bunch of this stuff. But that's kind of the main idea. Do you guys have questions about that? No, I was interested why in the first episode you said we're easy to eat. So yeah, we're just that soft. makes sense. Yeah. yeah, I mean our skin is thin and soft and pink. It's easy yeah. for animals to eat us. Okay, yeah. so that pretty much explains the motives, um, and it gets behind this idea that when there's a, a combination of different things that can happen that can turn pe or animals into to man eaters. It's really rare, though. This doesn't happen that often. Lions, as we mentioned in the first episode, they do kill people. It does happen every year in Africa that they kill some people. But if they were targeting us as prey, it would be like this all the time. It would be like the Sava lions all the time, where anytime people stepped out, there's the potential they're going to be killed by lions. And we would have thousands of people killed every year by lions, not dozens or low hundreds. Um, yeah. The thing with it, too, is... I mean, obviously, they were really good at killing people. They killed a lot of people yeah. and were successful. Yeah. But, like, they died. Yeah. The two lions killing people died. Yeah. So I just feel like we're so good at hunting animals. Like, if an animal decides it wants to start killing people, like, it's going to probably die. Yeah. So that just is kind of like natural selection. Like, anything that messes with humans is probably going to end up Gets dying. Gets weeded out. Yeah. That's a good point. I think with these lions, uh, again, and a lot of the stuff I read, it called the monsters or devils or whatever. This isn't outside of their natural behavior. They switched to a new prey source that was convenient for them because they were injured or because they had a lack of prey. And that's not unnatural for an animal to do that, but it doesn't happen that often. And it's we're lucky that there are a lot of other prey for these animals because if there wasn't, then they might start to target us a lot more. So that, I mean, that's kind of the basics of this. I, I mention all that because I just don't want to demonize them. I don't want to buy into this whole narrative that, that once they get a taste for us, it's over for us and they just start killing us like that. It's more just that we're easy and we're easy to kill. And sometimes uh, lions like these ones just decide that they're going to take advantage of an easy meal. What, what is a lion's like biggest food source? 
you mean like what what are the animals they kill most often yeah they kill a lot of different ungulates so it's usually like zebra uh wildebeest buffalo um antelope bison no buffalo not Mm. bison (laughs) uh that's their main stuff big big ungulates yeah um but they can eat anything from like warthogs down to small mammals They'll, they'll eat a lot of different stuff, but big ungulates are kind of their, their bread and butter. One other thing I wanted to mention about the Savo lions is these were two males without a pride. And that lends to this idea that they might have been a little bit younger. Sometimes younger male lions that don't have a pride, they'll team up and they'll go out and hunt together. But there's this idea that these might have been younger, more inexperienced lions. I, I don't know if there's that much information out there about that, if they've tested that or not. But um, that is an interesting thing about this, that these were two male lions without a pride. And that's another reason why they might have decided to kill people. Because when you have a whole pride, like we mentioned in the last episode, that's supporting you, it's a lot easier to bring down big game. And you have animals that are coming in a lot more often that you can eat. But when you're by yourself, you kind of have to take advantage of any opportunity you have. So... I truly found this story to be so interesting. I know it got a little repetitive in there because it's just the same thing over and over and over again. But it's just so fascinating to me to think about a time when people just were kind of powerless against this sort of thing, you know? Like if lions just decided they want to start killing you, they could. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah. Not scary. It it is scary, but more of like... I'm grateful that they don't. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. I don't have to be scared that way. Yeah. No, that that whole story just sounded so scary. Yeah. Especially like laying in a tent and not knowing if you're going to be pulled out of your tent in the middle of the night. I wonder how they decided who slept on the edges of the tent. Well, I think they I think they all just slept with their head in the middle and their feet going out to the oh. edges so it could just grab any of them. Oh my gosh. Um Anyway, I was really excited to do this one. This is one I've been waiting to do for a while. I think these stories of like man eaters that kill a bunch of people are especially fascinating. We'll definitely do more of them. You guys have any other questions? What ended up happening with the the railroad tracks? Did they finish it? Yeah, like- they finished it. Uh, and then the Uganda railroad or the Uganda railway was around for a long time. I don't know if it still is, but it became like a a really popular train ride because you saw a lot of cool wildlife and stuff. Like I know Teddy Roosevelt rode it oh, and cool. um, just shot animals probably, out of yeah. it like the Patterson. Almost on the for way. sure. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was a really popular railway. I, oh, I read if it was still around and I don't have it in my notes, but anyway, yeah. Uh, I have something unrelated to the story. Okay. Um, so I was just like reading about lions because we were doing lions. Yeah. Uh, have you guys heard of the Mapungo Lion Coalition? No. Uh, so it's like kind of the most famous, like they called a coalition instead of a pride because it's mainly just male lions. Yeah. But it's like the most famous like pride ever. Huh. And it was five brothers and then one like half brother. Uh-huh. And it says on Wikipedia, so they dominated like 170,000 acres of Africa, um, like in South Africa, um, in the Kruger National Park. Yeah. And they killed over 100 other lions. Really? Yeah, wow. including cubs. But like, 
mainly they would just kill like other male lions. That's crazy. Wow. And uh, they, yeah, they just like dominated the whole area and like just kind of ruled everything. Yeah. And um, whenever like another male lion tried to join them, they would just kill it. Interesting. But like the, so they thought it was kind of, scientists thought it was interesting. They let the one that wasn't an actual brother even join them. Uh Uh-huh. But yeah, so their leader was Makuklu. (laughs) And then there's Rasta, Scar, Pretty Boy, Kinky Tail, and Mr. T. Mm -hmm. Can you name these lions? And I just want to show you Mr. T. Oh, yeah, that does look like Mr. T. <laughs> yeah. His hair looks just like him. That's amazing. Yeah, That's he's great. got, like, the mohawk. Huh. Uh, but, yeah, apparently it's, like, the most famous group of lions cool. ever. And I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, I've been to Kruger, and I saw lions in Kruger. But oh, yeah? I think I only saw lionesses and cubs. This Mr. T, it said, was killed by rival lions in 2012. Okay. Once they kind of, like, had their reign of the land. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, that's it for the story. I hope you guys have liked it. We're going to do a couple more categories today and get some more listener questions too. But uh, our first category we're going to do today is our cage match category. So Mike, do you want to take the reins for that? I'd love to, Wes. Okay. Uh, So as always, the cage match is a hypothetical situation uh, that we never ever want to recreate in reality. Where we pit the animal of the show, of this episode, this being the lion, mm-hmm. in a situation, a fight, a cage match against the other animals that we've talked about so far on the podcast. So stretching back all into our different episodes of the different animals. And, you know, where they would rank overall compared to, say, the tiger. What would tigers usually be? Amur tigers. I would at probably least. give, I would give the Amur tiger that. The slight edge. Over a male lion. Just because it's a little bit bigger. I feel like male lions is like our hardest one to place. It's going to be pretty hard. I feel like it could beat pretty much everything, but then like a lot of them would probably beat it. You know what I mean? The reason I would give it to the tiger is the tiger is a bit bigger. And then also a a tiger, we mentioned this in the last episode, a tiger is 100% responsible for its own survival. So a tiger is constantly hunting, constantly killing, and constantly trying to survive. Whereas a lion, especially a male lion, can kind of depend on its pride to keep it alive. Uh, yeah. And so I just, and this is a bit anthropomorphic, but I feel like a tiger is just a little bit more honed in on its skills. And so I'm giving it to the tiger. Mike, where do you think a lion's bite pressure fits in with cats? Uh, it's, it's pretty high. Second place third what so jaguars one jaguars like the fifth most of any animal yeah it's like super so it's probably jaguar tiger lion and lions actually significantly less than tigers really yeah Yeah. lions is like 600 psi and Mm -hmm. tigers is like over a thousand for me i would say the lion could probably edge out our brown bear and our black bears the polar i would I don't know, because sometimes brown bears beat polar bears too. This skin, this skin hard. If it's a big coastal grizzly bear, if we're doing our biggest animal, like our In biggest male species. grizzly versus our biggest male lion, yeah, I'd pick the grizzly. But like a Montana grizzly, I'd probably take the I'd lion. I'd take the lion. Yeah, an interior grizzly. Um, 
So uh, the Bears, it's going to be a good fight. The lo- the Tiger, I'm giving it to the Tiger. The Mountain Lion, it's going to beat for sure. The Chimpanzee, it's going to beat for sure. The Alligator, it's going to beat. Uh, the Python, I'd give it to the Lion. It's going to kill the Wolf. Yeah, I mean, the Lion's... I'm glad we have the Lion in here finally, because I feel like we were missing it. It's going to kill the Moose. It's going to kill the Monitor Lizard. It's up there. The Lion's up there. Yeah. But uh, we're going to place it, for the record... I think we were placing it fourth of land animals, right? After, yeah, after the tiger, grizzly, and polar. Yeah. Yep. That's where we're putting it. Cool. Yeah. I agree with that. Okay. We're all in agreement. Okay. uh, Let's go into some conservation stuff about lions, and then we'll do a few listener questions. So a really interesting thing I read that's really sad is since the time Lion King came out, and this has nothing to do with lion king coming out it's just a metric of time but since lion king came out we've lost half of our lions um they've decreased by almost half by in those last 20 something years they've lost 94 percent of their historic range and they really are in a lot of trouble actually lions are they're classified vulnerable but um there's a lot of different things that are problems for them one big problem is that bushmeat has become much more popular in Africa. So a lot of their prey is being wiped out and mm. they're having a harder time uh, finding prey. Yeah. Um, they're also killed in, retali- in retaliation because they kill a lot of cattle. They are often poisoned. People poison cattle carcasses and then the lions come and feed on them and they die. Uh. And then they're also losing a lot of habitat and it's becoming fragmented. So it's getting really hard for lions. Another big thing is trophy hunting. Uh, Trophy hunts are pretty well managed as far as the number of lions they're allowing to be killed. But the problem is they're killing the healthiest, biggest males because that's what a trophy hunter wants to kill is its best trophy. Did you think it was like pretty cool when that dentist killed that one no, lion at the in, national I park? I was not into that at you all. You didn't think Cecil? it was kind of cool? No. Yeah. Did no, you? me neither. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I hate that I don't understand. Sure. I don't understand the, the appeal. Especially, um, yeah, like the lion wasn't even like hiding or anything. Yeah. It's like, so what? You're it's not, not cool not that big. you did that. Yeah, yeah. but the trophy hunting thing, the big issue with it, even more so than the ethics of it, is just that they're taking out the breeders. They're the taking best. out the, the ones with the best genetics. Right. And that allows a lot of diseases to come in. It allows for uh, lions that wouldn't typically be mating to be doing the mating. And they're passing on less... Uh, powerful genes why is trophy hunting allowed at all it just seems so a lot of that money they say you know goes back into conservation which there's some arguments for that but um there have been some reports where they actually look at where the money goes and it doesn't go to where you hope it would go it's just there's a lot of money behind it and there's a lot of power and political power behind it too that's really sad yeah i'm not a fan of trophy hunting but it is a very nuanced issue um but i don't i don't really care for it Poaching, I don't care for it at all. I should say that. Yeah. Poaching is also a problem for them. They're, a lot of their parts are sold to the Chinese medicine trade, which is a big issue. So it's kind of death by a thousand cuts. This was a really interesting uh, statistic that I read. For every lion in the wild, there are 14 African elephants. There's 15 Western lowland gorillas. And there's more rhinos than lions too. 
So I think wow. we think of those animals of elephants and gorillas and rhinos being on the verge of extinction. And we don't realize there's more of them than there are lions. So we're yeah, running out of lions. That's really surprising to me. Yeah. I yeah. would never have guessed that. There used to be, I mean, not too long ago, there's hundreds of thousands of lions in Africa. And now there's, I think, somewhere around 20,000. Dude. Remaining. So. Come on. Yeah. So they're, they the are hell in some are we trouble. Doing around here? We need to stop. And, you know, if you, if you really want to go shoot a lion, just take a camera and go on a safari and get some cool photos and do that instead, you know? Yeah. Shoot them. With a camera. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now we get they it. call it that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, get some anyway. good shots of Photo it. shoot. Yeah. Um, okay, so or that's a bit about... <laughs> or maybe use a paintball gun. How about that? No, we're not no? doing that either. <laughs> okay. So we're going to do some listener questions, and then we're going to wrap this up. We have a couple more Patreon ones, right? Uh, yeah. Okay, so Patreon questions. This one's a little long, so I'm just going to kind of shorten it myself. But basically, he's asking about using Bluetooth while hiking in bear country Mm -hmm. and just like playing music. And it's from uh, Jackson Quinn, our Patreon. Okay. Uh, So he's asking if that's a good idea to have music playing. It is. Yeah. I think any noise you can make when you're hiking in bear country is great. It's going to um, scare off bears and they're going to hear you coming and you're not going to be surprising them. That's the main thing is you don't want to surprise a bear when you're hiking in bear country. It is a little annoying for people sometimes. I don't like it when I'm hiking and someone's playing music. So I think you got to be cognizant of the other people that you're around. And if I was hiking around a lot of other people, I wouldn't do it. Because then you're just naturally going to be making enough noise anyway that you're not going to surprise a bear. But if you're by yourself, it's a it's a good tactic. It can help. Okay. Was that a two-part question? Yeah. So the other part was that... Um, so it's kind of a funny story he tells about how he accidentally sprayed his leg with bear spray hiking yeah. and he like splashed water on it, but it's still like burnt for a few hours. Yeah. So just the best way to like get bear spray off if you do get sprayed by it. I think milk actually works pretty well. Oh, really? Yeah. Hot I, ones. That's what they always suggest. Yeah. And it's like when you see people getting pepper sprayed by police and stuff, a lot of times they pour milk on it and I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure it works with bear spray as well. Okay. And then from Jackson Quinn. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, that last one was from Derek. I got confused with Mike's text. So this one's thanks. from Jackson. Thanks for, my... the, thanks for the question, Derek. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Derek. Yeah. That was my fault. No, you're good. Uh, so this is from Jackson. What would your suggestions be for students entering college looking forward to making real environmental change? Uh, I mean... I think there's a lot of different routes you can go. You could get into environmental law, which is honestly one of the best ways to probably make change. Um, if you're interested in doing wildlife, then... And that's where you represent animals in it's, court. It's kind of. I mean, you're not actually representing <laughs> animals, but you're representing their interests. There's a lot of different ways that you can do it. You can be a conservation biologist and you can come up with new conservation rules and regulations. You can be an educator and you can teach people about these different things. There's really a lot of different routes you could go. Honestly, if it were me, if I wasn't wanting to work in the field and I just wanted to make a difference, I would say environmental law is probably the best way to do that or to get into politics. I would suggest dropping out and then (laughs) just starting your own company, making a billion dollars, and then just like buying a ton of land just for animals. Yeah, just do that. Just that drop out. That sounds a lot easier than... Drop out and get a billion dollars. Yeah. There you go. Hope that answers your question, Jackson. 
Okay. All right. And then from the podcast listener questions. On the Instagram. Uh, yeah. From Rat Burns. Favorite deep sea creature? Ooh, I like anglerfish. Mm, which ones are those? They're the ones that have the little, they have like a little light that dangles in front of them. Oh, yeah. And those they are cool. grab other fish when they come too close. Yeah. I like the Greenland sharks. Okay. They're yeah. like 500 years 400, old. 400, yeah. And just kind of like mossy and big. Yeah, and huge. I Mike? like a giant squid. Cool. Yeah, that's yeah, a good one. You love, you love those squids and octopuses. <laughs> I don't know what that means yeah. just yet, but there's like some weird Japanese like sex octopus stuff. Yeah, tentacle stuff. Yeah, that's not the reason. Okay, <laughs> All right. I hope. I shouldn't say weird. I shouldn't shame that. Like if that's your thing. A <laughs> uh, modern day walkabout, Wes. What's your thoughts on ecotourism? Uh, ecotourism can be done well. There's places that do it really well, and and people then are inspired because they see the animal in, in real life, and they're they have this really um, honestly life-changing experience, but then there's places that do really poorly and they're contributing to habitat destruction or habituating animals. So I think there's a lot of good ecotourism out there, but you really need to do your research and make sure if you're doing it, that you are going with the right people. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This one I'm going to ask you and then come back to, because I think I maybe should have prepped you a little. Okay. What animal would be the scariest as a kaiju? Okay. So pretty much just like if you have like a 100 or 200 foot size animal, yeah. which one would be scariest? But we'll come back. Okay. So. Who is that from? Uh, that's from Fatty Patty. Okay. So In Good Company Jewelry asks, what happens in the wild when a lion is dying of old age? Does it just lie down and give up? It's really rare that animals in the wild senesce, which means die of old age. Mm -hmm. There's not that many animals in the wild that that happens to. They usually are either killed by like another lion that's going to come in and take over their pride, or they die from some injury that's caused by an animal that they bring down. So it's not, it's really, really rare. Um, what was the rest like, of Like, the... do they just lie down? Yeah. I mean, if one did die of old age, it would just lie down and die. But okay. it's it hardly ever happens. It's usually a violent death for animals. All right, so we're going to go back to Fatty Patty. Okay. So what animal would be the scariest as a kaiju, which is just like a giant animal right. pretty much? Yeah, like Godzilla. So I'm going to start, and I'm going praying mantis. Okay. I think praying mantis just look crazy and scary if it's like big, you know? Yeah. Like the only reason they're not scary is how small they are. Yeah. But like if it was huge, I think that'd be really scary. I was thinking kind of on, along the same lines, but a millipede. Yeah, I was going to say centipede. Like tons of different weird little legs. Segments. Greasy looking body. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say like a centipede or a spider. One of those two for me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then what do tigers dream of when they take a little tiger snooze? <laughs> and this is from Sky is the High. That's a good question. Uh uh, who knows? We can't know. You so probably hunting. I learned from your girlfriend Girl Jesse uh -huh. that animals like have real dreams. Yeah, they because do. Bryce barks and like chases stuff. Yeah, Bryce will chase stuff in her dreams. Yeah. It's really cute. But that's what makes me think tigers probably dream of hunting and and chasing and killing things. And frosted flakes. And frosted, yeah. Great. Thanks for sending in questions, guys. If we didn't get to your question, we, we do keep some of the old ones for later episodes, so we'll try and get to them. 
but um, we can't get to all of them. So just keep and looking for that on our stories and keep asking them. And hopefully one of these days we'll get to your question. Sometimes they're kind of similar to questions we've already answered. And yeah. like we read them all and we appreciate all of them. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Cool. Well, that's all I've got. Do you guys have anything else you want to add to the, our first Lion episode? We're going to have more Lion episodes, but this is our first one. And it's a Let's, doozy. Should we? Should we roar? that's pretty weak uh thanks guys uh we appreciate you all so much uh don't forget to give us a review and a rating if you listen on apple podcasts uh sign up for our patreon if you're interested in some more content we just recorded uh the darkest episode we've recorded so far (laughs) that jeff (laughs) brought to us about different way that people have been executed throughout history with animals yeah so there's plenty of more content on the patreon and uh we got a lot of more episodes coming for you guys so thanks so much again and uh we'll talk to you later yeah please sign up for patreon because with my episode i just did i think we're gonna lose we're probably gonna lose half of our people (laughs) yeah all right thanks guys we'll see you see you bye Whether you're in a relationship, single, or recently heartbroken, you could be navigating some tough stuff. And it really can be challenging to do this on your own. We all need help when it comes to our relationships, very specifically, our love lives. I'm Jillian, and each week on my podcast, Jillian on Love, I share skills on how to strengthen our relationships, how to build a stronger sense of self, and how to heal heartbreak and choose better partners. Learn how to start making change today and search for Jillian on Love wherever you're listening now.